0: I remind you that the views expressed by hosts and guests of Radio Free Brooklyn do not represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day! Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? Blessed in Jesus' name, right? I know you're all blessed in Jesus' name. And March 20th, the first day of spring. So on March 20th, At 5.24 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, it's going to be the spring equinox. And that marks the point in time when the sun sits directly over the Earth's equator as it heads northward. I like giving you all these little fun facts about what's going on in the universe while we're doing our daily grind down here, right? So this means that both hemispheres will share the sun's sun rays equally. So night and day will roughly run about the same length. So this is the one point in time in the year where the sun is right over the equator. So everybody in the whole world gets the same everything. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that we we all get it at the same time? But just, and when I say, isn't that cool, I'm really referring to just how amazing our God is, right? Just think about it. Man couldn't do that. Man could have never, well, maybe now with all the things that they're doing in the lab. And yeah, I guess if you go in the metaverse with that, you know, that fictional artificial intelligence world that everybody wants to live in. They could do it in there. They could do whatever they, they could have utopia in there. But when you think about when you take those goggles off your face and you have to deal with the real world, just look how amazing the wonders of God And there's just too many to count, right? So if you needed something to be grateful for, think about just that. How the earth just moves and the sun is just positioned just so. And how all that takes place and you're not even thinking about it. You don't wake up and say, oh, I need sunshine today, sunrise. No. You got up this morning and, It did it. It knows what it needs to do.
1: Right? So I think of it this way. If God took the time to give us day and night
0: and today make it equal on both sides, you know, just that precision to know, okay, yeah, right about now, this time of the year, it's going to be this way. Is there any problem in your life that he can't solve? I mean, think about it. You're, you're putting, to do something like that, everything has to be measured to the, the smallest of time and space and everything. So if he could do that, Is there any problem in your life that he cannot solve? You just have to place your faith in the one who created the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, to turn and this and that. Come on now. And God is as interested as interested in what is happening to you today as he was when he first created the world and the universe, and as he was with the people of Israel.
1: They worried about issues that we, you
0: know, worry about today. They worried about issues going on in their lives, their daily daily day-to-day lives, just as we do today. And when God spoke to them, he spoke to them through the prophets. And the words that he spoke through the prophets to them back in the day still stand true today, just as when they were first uttered. Because God stated that his word would not return to him and not complete what he said it was going to do. And since there's no concept of time with God When he says something, it rains. It just, it just, it's just there because there is no time. With us, it's time. Like if I tell you, oh, I'm going to be there at five o'clock and I'll give you $5. If I'm there at six o'clock, you're like, you said you were going to be here at five o'clock. I needed the money at five o'clock, not at six o'clock. But with God, since there's no concept of time, When he shows up, it's always the right time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just wonderful? Not just amazing, but isn't that wonderful? So today,
1: I want to take a look back at one of the
0: books where God promised his people that he would restore the years that the locusts had taken away from them. And I'm talking about the book of Joel. Now, I know that's not the first time that you've ever heard that scripture that I quoted. I didn't quote it verbatim, but I'm sure that's not the first time you've ever heard that God would restore what the locusts
1: had taken from you or had taken from them. But do you know why he made that
0: promise? to the children of Israel. So today we're going to look back at the book to see what made God say that to the children of Israel. And why is it so easy for us to quote that for ourselves today when we find ourselves in similar situations? So the book of Joel is a book that speaks about the people's need for repentance in order for them to experience the restoration of the Lord. And that's what made me want to, well, I can't even say made me want to go in because I never, unless I think of it on my own, but most of the time when I bring you things, of course, you know, and you've heard me say this several times, this is what God is putting in my spirit to tell you. It never dawned on me to read the book of Joel or go into depth why it was even written. You read it as part of reading the Bible. But when he talked about the restoration of what the locusts had destroyed, and then I know I've I've always heard that said, always heard that said, and it always brings good cheer to everyone that hears it, but what was, the, what, was the, what was the context behind why God felt he had to tell the people that? And that's what I want to dive into today. So that you can understand that when you're quoting it for yourself, what was the context that's going on in your life, and what did God ask them to do in order for
1: him to do that for them? So
0: like I started out saying, the book of Joel is a book that speaks about the people's need for repentance in order for them to experience the restoration of the Lord.
1: Because just as we are in need today of restoration, God saw that they also were in need of
0: restoration because sin is sin. And as Solomon told us, in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, that which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. You can't say it any plainer than that. What they used to do, we still doing.
1: What they did, we've done. And it was this book
0: that the prophet was talking to the people about everything that they were doing.
1: Now, the prophet's name, of course, is Joel. The the book is named after him. And it was getting so bad that the Lord came to him
0: in order to give the word, right? The Lord, and it starts out, we're going to read, I'm going to take different parts of the verses. I'm not going to read all the, every verse, verse by verse, because it's, it's, it's really so packed with so much information that if I did it, every verse we would be here, at least, uh, we could do this in a month's time, because there's just so much. But I'm going to do it today, and I'm just going to take the, you know, highlight the parts of the chapters that I want you to know. Now, mind you, the book is only three chapters. It's not a very long book, so it's not something like, oh, it has so many chapters. It's only three chapters. But just the way it's broken down makes you understand the mind of what God was thinking about and what he was telling Joel to warn the people about. So it starts out, Joel 1 and 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, Hear this, you elders, and give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten what the swarming locust left the crawling locust has eaten and what the crawling locust left the consuming locust has eaten then it jumps down to verse 10 and it says the field is wasted the land mourns for the grain is ruined the new wine is dried up the oil fails the Going into verse 12, the vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the fields are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. So when we go back into the beginning, where it first opens up, boom, it's telling you, the word of the Lord came to Joel. God was like, look, I need you to get this word out to, the, to my people. I want you to break down to them what is happening in their lives and tell them that it's happening because of their sins." But now, see, in this book, it doesn't point out exactly what their sins were, but if you remember when we did the book of Hosea, or Hosea, God specifically had pointed out the sins that was making him so dishearted. I'll say, with the people. We knew that there was promiscuity all over. Hosea had to take a wife that was a prostitute, you know, just to, to demonstrate God's love for Israel, how he kept wanting to bring them back to him, bring them back to him. Here in Joel, it doesn't point out the sins of the people. But the people knew they had sins. And so what's happening to them now is because of the sins that they've continued to do, God has brought the locusts on their land. And if you remember from in Deuteronomy, anytime there was a locust on the land, it was looked as a judgment for the sin in the land. So, God would allow the locust to come and eat up everything that was living. Swarms of locusts would come into an area and consume every living thing in its path. Every green, anything green, leaves, whatever, flowers, plants, you name it, crops, gone. There were so many locusts that would come. It would darken the sky that it would appear, it would be bright, sunny daylight. When the locusts
1: came, it looked like it was nighttime. And in a
0: matter of hours, everything would be destroyed. Everything. Crops that they had been planting, waiting for that harvest to come in so that they can get their money. Because remember... Back in these days, everyone was a farmer or, you know, their trade was growing crops just for living and then for bartering and getting money, and that's how they survived. So if you had a swarm of locusts come in and wipe out all your crops, that left you with no money. When you think about what, how we're dealing with the economic things going on with us today, We have how many banks that have failed that now they're questioning what's going on in the banking world. You know, what are these banks doing with the regulations that have been dropped from before that they were allowed to just do whatever they wanted to? And now you're starting to see the repercussions of decreasing those regulations. Now you're starting to see what's coming from that. But when we go to verse 14, it tells them, This is what Joel is telling the people to do because you already know the locusts has come because they've eaten up everything because of what you have been doing. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to consecrate a fast. Call a secret, a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, For the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. This is what God is telling Joel to tell the people. Ah, yeah, this is what's happening to you, and this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do if you want to get yourself out of what you had just gone through. So in chapter 1, it's a warning to the people of Israel, that doom is coming to them if they don't change their ways. The chapter goes into great length how God has destroyed their land, will destroy their land, and what they will miss and what they should expect if they continue living the sinful lives that they're living. Now, what I said, there's no specific sin. And I think that was purposely omitted from the text because at that point, God was, I don't have to point out your sin to you and this, 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 and this. If you read the previous chapters before, all through Deuteronomy, Lamentations, even like I said, Jose, he was already telling the people about their sins. So they were very well aware of what they were doing. And it's just like today, God doesn't have to point out your sin to you. For you to know that you're sinning. You know when you're sinning. You know very well. And like I said in one of my shows before. Sometimes we do. We commit a sin. And we might not know it's a sin. Some of us. And I'm doing air quotes when I say that. But there are some of us. Air quotes again. That walk right into sin. We actively seek sin out. So you can't. Act as though you're not aware of when you're sinning. So when the repercussions come on you from the sin, that's why God was like, I don't have to tell you what you're doing, but I'm telling you what's happening. I'm telling you what's happening and what will happen. You figure out your sin on your own. You already know what it is. We don't have to discuss that. I'm not going to take the time to sit down and discuss that with you. But I am going to tell you, yeah, that's why you see locusts. Yeah, that's why this is going to happen. Yeah, that's why the trees are going to wither up. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why it's happening. So as we go into chapter two, it continues to speak to the people about the day of the Lord. Which is when God was going to inflict the punishment on the children of Israel because of their sins. So we open up in chapter two, verse one. Joel is telling, blow the trumpet in Zion and and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. Let for it is at hand. This was referring to what God would allow to happen to those in sin before he restored all those who were in state of repentance. We jump down to verse 11. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me, all with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. So, here, when you look at it in, in, in chapter two, he's opening up, telling them again, you know what, people you guys should be shaking in your boots because the day is coming where God is going to just let everything loose on you because of the way you have been carrying on. And he's saying anybody that's carrying out the word that God tells them to do, you would want to be trembling because the strong one for the strong is the one who executes his word. Like there's going to be no mercy on you. When God speaks, it's going to happen, and you're going to feel it. You're going to know that it's him speaking to you because he's already warning you. And then in 12, he's telling them, because this is what the Lord is telling them, so everything that Joel is saying out of his mouth, this is coming from the word of God as well. Turn to me with all your heart. He's telling them, fast, cry, mourn. And instead of them, you know, when they say rend, when they rend, when they would rend something, they would tear it. Like, you know, they used to wear sackcloth. So they would tear the sackcloth and cover themselves with ashes. So they would tear their, their garments of their clothes. God is telling them, don't tear your garments. Don't tear your clothes. It's not your clothes that I want to see torn. I want to see you tear your heart. Because, see, your clothes is just an outside, it's an It's an outside covering of who you are. So you tearing your clothes is not changing anything. I want you to tear your heart. God tells them, rend your heart and not your garments. Meaning, I want the inside of you to be turned inside out. I want the inside of you to be opened up and cleaned up. Because that's where the problem is lying. That's where the sin is coming from. The sin is not coming from your garments for you to tear that off like it's going to change anything. I want that heart of yours changed when that heart of yours is changed and you return to me, then I will be gracious and merciful and I'll be slow to anger. And I will, great kindness, kindness I will show to you. And I will relent from doing harm to you. And with that, we're going to take a music break and we're going to return. You're listening to What Would Kay Say Here? on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like.
2: Let me hear the worship Yeah.
0: So I found where I belong I finally got a taste of true freedom and this will be my song hallelujah this is redemption all praises to the one who has brought me joy Jesus the son I found where I belong. Oh,
2: oh, oh. I found where. see that you are all I need, hallelujah, this is redemption, all praises to the one who has brought me joy.
0: me joy, Jesus the Son, I found where I
3: belong.
0: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Mm, excuse me. You are listening to What Would Kay Say? Here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And if you want to follow Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not sitting in front of your computer, download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android. For the iPhone, it's available in the App Store and for Android, in the Google Play Store. And if you happen to have missed any of my shows, you can find me on my page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Look for What Would Kay Say? Read my bio. When you get to the bottom, all my shows are archived down there. Or you can find me on Spotify or you can find me on Apple Or you can find me on all other podcast platforms that you might listen to. So now I said, I know I said I was going to try to get into the habit of saying the artist of the songs that I played. And this week, I know I didn't do it last week. So I'm going to give you last week's and this week's. So starting with this week, of course, you know, we always open up with making changes by grace. I played every praise throwback song from Hezekiah Walker. And then I played "I Belong" by Afua B, Michael Oyo, and Grace Tenna. And at the end of the at the end of the show, I'm going to play "A Safe Place" by Hezu, but we didn't hear that yet. But last week I played "Control" by 10th Avenue North. I played "All Along" by Jonathan McReynolds. And I played You Make All Things Beautiful by Victor Thompson. So, yes, I'm going to try to get into the rhythm of, the routine of saying the artists after I play their songs. But I just, I, I'm so, I'm not a DJ. So, for me to say the artist, no. I play the songs to give us a break, to give us a chance to think about what I've said. Sometimes just to let everything that's coming forth, just get absorbed into your spirit, and then you listen to the songs as that's happening. But I'm not a DJ, so I have to remind myself to constantly say say the name of the, say the person that you know singing the song. But I'm I'm getting I'm getting good at I'm well I'm practicing I'm trying to get good at it. So now this would be the time of the show that I call op ed. So in op ed today, we're going to continue with the book of Joel through chapters two. And ending with three. And the reason why I want to stay on this, because Joel is so today. The book of Joel is so today. When you think about it, it's the same things going on. People are losing their money. People are losing their livelihoods. People can't understand why this is not happening, why this is not working out for me. Why is this going on in my life? God was telling the people of Israel the reason why all those questions that they also had, he was telling them why it was happening to them. And he's telling us today why it's happening to us. Examine the sin in your life. Like I said, the book doesn't go into any specific sins, but we all know what our sins are. I know what my sins are. And like I said, some of us we deliberately set up the sin that we want to walk into. Some of it catches us off guard. Some of us, we just are not aware, depending on what stage and what level you are in your walk with the Lord. Because when you get to a certain walk with the Lord, a certain stage, some things, let me put it this way. When you get to a certain stage in God, there's some things you know you should not be doing. And if you do it, you know you're sinning against the Lord. And I'm going to use David as an example. David was the one in the Bible that God said had a heart like God. Because he called him, he was a man with God's own heart, right? So when you hear that placed on an individual, and then you see how David lived his life, You'd be like, well, if he had a heart of God, why would he do that? But when David took Bathsheba, he knew what he was doing. That didn't just surprise him. He happened to walk to the window and see her taking a bath. He knew that she took a bath that same time every day. And David being a warrior, because you know, David was, um, he was a warrior. He would fight, fight, fight. He had armies, Right. They used to sing the song about David David killing 10,000 with Saul only killing 1,000, and Saul at the time was the king. And this was before David really even got to be who he was. When you're a king and you have armies out to war, back in those days, the king was on the battlefield with the army. They were on the battlefield. They might not have been on the front line, but they were there in the trenches strategizing, where should we go, what should we do, how many men have we lost, put men over here, put wagons over, whatever they used. David was back in his palace, sipping coffee, looking out the window. Mm -mm. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into when he grabbed Bathsheba. So when I say about the sins of what you're doing today, could be why you're not getting all of what you feel you should get today as the people of Israel. They knew that their sins was what was causing the locusts to devour everything that they got their hand, everything that they planted, everything that would be prosperous for them, the locust destroyed. So as we continue in chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous in his land, because remember we ended off with, Joel telling them that the Lord said, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart. Like I said, he wants you to tear your heart open and examine the sin that's inside and clean that up. Don't rend your garments. Don't tear your clothes off for of me. That's not, as we said from Hosea, obedience is better than sacrifice. He doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want you to burn things on an altar. He doesn't want you to tear your clothing in shame. No, he wants you to examine your heart, figure out where you're at, and get it together, and then he will be gracious and merciful. So we jump down to verse 18. It says, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and I will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Jumping to 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. And in verse 25 is where he tells them, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. So when we look at
1: this and we hear what he's saying to them, it's Verse 25 of chapter 2 that he's
0: telling them that he's going to restore them all the time and all the money and stuff that they lost. But that was only after he
1: told, he told them about their heart.
0: It was only after he had told them to fast, to weep, and to mourn, and to turn all of them to him. So when you hear this or when you hear someone saying, oh, God's going to return, the, you know, restore the years that the locust took from you, He, God is very well capable of returning all the years that the locusts took from you. But what is it that God is asking you to do first? What is it that God is pointing out to you that needs to be handled so that he is then able to restore you to your previous years of opulence or wealth or peace of mind even? Because sometimes locusts, when they're devouring things or when things are taken from you, it doesn't always have to be monetary. It could just be peace of mind. It could be the confusion in your
1: home will no longer be there, right? It could be um, the confusion or the pressure or stress that you feel
0: in your workplace. That could no longer be there. So sometimes when people think about restoration of what God has given you and what the locust has taken from you, it's not necessarily always pertaining to money. Sometimes it is just your time where you feel that you've lost time and now God has given you back that time to do something that you felt you could no longer do at this point, but he's made it possible for you to do. And in this book, it was also when he was talking about the locust, it could also be interchanged with the armies. Cause at this point in time, we remember the, the The country was split in north and south, the Northern kingdom and then the Southern kingdom. After Solomon, remember, because of Solomon's sin, the country was split in two. So you had the two countries split into Northern kingdom, Southern kingdom. you had all the crap going on in the Northern kingdom, that's where Hosea was. Then you had all the stuff going on in the Southern kingdom. and then you had all this stuff that God was like, "Look, get yourself together." So as we go through all of the chapters, when it gets to number 32, it says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has says, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. So in the final chapter, when we go to chapter three, Joel is, saying that God states that he will bless his people and he will judge the enemies of Israel. Cause there comes a point where he's telling them where he has them scattered all over the place. And a lot of people refer to that to now what's going on. And they even use some parts of Joel to be like, if it was a foreshadowing of what was being talked about in revelation, when they talk about the battle of Armageddon, the final days when, you know, Jesus is going to come back and reclaim, you know, his territory here is also talking about where at the end in the third chapter that he was talking about. He's going to bless his people when he brings them all back to Jerusalem. So the scattering of the Israelites all over the world and them being attacked by many nations because of the, their rebellious, you know, their rebellion, He's saying in the end, when you finally come back to me with all your heart, when you finally come back to me and do what I've been asking you to do from the beginning, because think about it from the time that God started speaking to the people, he's been speaking the same thing to them over and over and over. You know how you'll say something to someone, but you figure, okay, they didn't understand what I said this time around. So I'm going to rephrase it, but it's the same thing you're saying to them. So what God was ultimately doing throughout these chapters with the various prophets, he was speaking to the people saying the same thing about their sin. It was the same things he was talking to them about. He just kept phrasing it in a different way because I guess he kept, you know what? They didn't understand that. Let me break it down a little more for them. Let me break it down a little more for them. Same words. It was always the same sins. So it's not as though the people didn't know. So in the end of the chapter, he's telling them Yes, I have scattered you. Yes, I have allowed other nations to dominate you because you're not listening to me. But when you finally turn your hearts back to me, that's when I will gather you all back into Jerusalem, into the nation that I created for you, and then all your enemies I will deal with. I will bless you because you've turned back to me and your enemies will be who I deal with. So that's what he's telling them in chapter three. And so when you look at it, comparing it to today. Because we all know that when Christ died on the cross, he died for everyone. It wasn't just the Jews. It was for the entire world. So if you look at it in its entirety, God is saying to the world right now, hey, look, listen. When you turn your hearts back to me then all this chaos that's going on in your life, all this disruption that's going on around you, all this confusion that everybody's like, what's happening? Why is this happening? What can we do about it? Why are they allowing all those questions that you have? It all comes from where's your heart? Where's your heart in all of that? So when you turn your heart back to me, that's when I can then come in and handle the situation for you. And then everybody that's against you, because you've now turned back to me, your one true God, everyone that's against you, I will deal with them. So that's what he was telling them in chapter three of Joel. So like I said, anything that has been done in the past, it's already been done today. Anything that they did in the past, we're doing it now. Solomon told us there's nothing new under the sun. It's just different people doing the same things in a different space, but it's all still the same. Sin is sin is sin. The sins haven't changed. The sins haven't changed. There might be different ways of executing the sins, but the sin is the sin. Everything's just, it's a base root. It is what it is. So that's if we could take anything from Joel, we could take that, When you think about restoration for yourself or God restoring you to a certain point in life or whatever it is that you're looking for, examine your heart. That's what's going to bring the restoration. And with that, that ends up Ed. But we are still in the month of March. So we still have our word of the month, which is subterfuge. And of course, that means deceit used in order to achieve one's goal. And you can see from everything that has been happening in the news this month, this was a very important word for us to pay attention to, right? Deceit used in order to achieve one's goal. And for today's promise for the week, I'm going to take one of the promises from the book of Joel, like we were just talking about. Because we could, we can use that going on for the rest of the week. And we can say, here's a promise that God made to them in chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil And you will be satisfied by them. No longer. I will no longer make you a reproach to those nations. And that was from chapter 2, 18 to verse 20. So I want us to hold that in mind. Once we get our hearts right with the Lord. Then he can make things right for us in our lives. And with that, I say, everyone have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Meditate on what God has been saying to us. If you think about how he started out the year with the alignment, all of, his, all of his messages, they're all just leading us in the right direction in the journey that he has us going. And like I said, we all have our own individual journeys. So my walk is not the same as your walk. You're not at the same point that I'm at. But whatever point you're at, do what it is that he's telling you to do. Follow his lead because he's not going to stare you wrong. So I want everyone to have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Be kind to each other. If nothing else, smile. Even if you don't have a kind word to say, just smile. And I find that kind of odd that you wouldn't have a kind word to say because if you're walking around with that much anger, you need to really sit down and examine why you're feeling that you don't have any kind words to say to anybody. Because even if you don't know someone, You can say something kind to someone. But if you can't say something kind to someone, then don't say anything. It's just better left that you don't say a word. Just keep it to yourself, right? That's what your mother always told you, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I think we should all develop that back into our everyday living. If you don't have anything kind to say, don't open your mouth. Nobody needs to hear anything that's negative because there's enough negativity in the atmosphere for all of us to have to deal with. So, with that, I say be blessed. Have a good Sunday. If anyone's participating in the half marathon, enjoy yourself. And until God brings us together again next week,
1: peace.